super important that you teach your dog how to chill. And I think the key there is teach, you know, especially if you do have a high energy breed or, or your dog's personality is, you know, profile is just that one of exuberance and, and over, over exuberance and joy. And you can't just assume that they know how to do that. Welcome to the Pet Care Report podcast by Pet Summits. Here's your dog training host, Melissa Vieira. Hello and welcome back to the Pet Care Report. I'm super excited for today's episode because we're going to talk about high energy dogs. So if you have a dog at home that you believe has some excess energy, then you're going to want to stick around for today's episode. Our expert guest today is Kelly Gorman Dunbar. Kelly is the training director at Serious Puppy and Dog Training, which is a dog training business known for pioneering puppy training. Kelly is also a key contributor to the curriculum for the Dunbar Academy, as well as co-founder of Open Paw, which is a nonprofit that provides training to shelter workers in order to help them enhance the lives of shelter dogs. In addition, Kelly is an international speaker and writer, as well as a professional dog training mentor and the founder of the Dog Training League. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being here today. I think you know a thing or two about high-energy dogs. I believe you um, you like high-energy dogs, as I do myself. So can you tell us a little bit more about your own dogs? Yes. Hello. So good to see you. Um, yeah, I think we have that in common, right? We like to, we love to do things with our dogs, and the more energy, the better. I've got um, a lot of dogs, <laughs> but I do French ring sport, uh, which is a protection and obedience and agility based sport that is French, uh, which is a very, um, it's an old traditional sport that, you know, it, it helps you to um, decide who the working dogs are going to be. It's a, it's a working dog test, basically, right? So I do a French ring sport with my Belgians. I've got um, two that are titled at different levels, a ring two dog and a ring one dog who's still in progress and now a new puppy. Um, I have terriers. I'm about to embark in, um, I don't think you even know this, I'm going about to embark in obedience, AKC obedience with my border terrier. Ooh. Yeah, maybe some other hunting type stuff for her as well. So, um, and I've got some other various dogs that I do things with. I like to do scent work. I used to be a judge for scent work competitions. Uh, probably going to do some detection with my retired Belgians. So getting dogs out into the world to do the things they were kind of bred to do, you know, to kind of scratch that itch, you know, that, that they have that genetic itch is something that I'm pretty passionate about. And, um, you know, I like dogs for what they are and who they are. And, and I think it's, um, one of the best ways to celebrate that is to take them out and do the thing. I like that you say that you like them for who they are, because it's not just trying to change them. And a, a lot of pet parents might think they have an overly excitable dog, and they just want to change that dog to be much calmer. But it's more so finding an outlet and trying to figure out who that dog is and how you can best help that individual dog. So I like that you, you say that. Um, do you have any tips for pet parents who believe that maybe they have a high energy dog and they're struggling a little bit? So where can they start? Well, high energy dog, first of all, I think, you know, they're, what is a high energy dog versus just a dog, right? Um, I think anybody who has a dog that is under two years old is likely to have a high energy dog because age does play a role, right? You know, if you've got a, 
an adolescent dog, something usually between six months and 18 months to two years. They're at their most energetic, if you will. And, um, you know, and then there are breed, breed te- breeds that have the tendency to have a little more, you know, pack a little more punch and, and continue to be energetic throughout the rest of their lives. Um, I think it's important to distinguish the difference between a high energy dog that perhaps has super specific or for the average owner high um, level of exercise as a requirement versus a dog that might be just bored or is just a dog that isn't getting their, their basic needs met. And you know when we when we talk about basic needs, you know most people think about water and food and maybe a dog bed and maybe a training class, uh, perhaps a few chew toys, but it and, and walks. People will, will talk about how they want to take their dog for walks. Um, for some people, a dog park is even something they think their dog needs. Dog um, dog interaction, but more specifically. They, what, what they need is mental stimulation. And again, something that scratches the itch that they were bred for. And, you know, we have a lot of mixes out there, a lot of beautiful, um, you know, mixed breeds and our, our purpose-bred mixes, as well as purebred dogs that are out there. And you may not even really know what your dog is. But, you know, first of all, there are tests. They're not perfect, but they, they embark. And what's the other one? Isn't there another one, too? Yeah, there's a few of them. There's several. Yeah. 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 Um, you can... Do you, know, you can do a genetic test if you don't know what your dog is, um, or you can you know, just search on the internet and try to figure it out. But really, it doesn't matter because your dog is going to tell you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> what, what they like to do, what they need to do, and um, and it might not necessarily match what they are. You know, so I have somebody right now who got um, what did they get? Oh, it was um, a Lancer Newfoundland. Okay. And, you know, it's a very big kind of lumbering, usually giant breed dogs are slower dogs. They, you know, they're not, they, you know, they lie around a lot, right? But this dog is from working stock and she wants to swim and retrieve like the best of them, you know? So you, you know, and, and this becomes very obvious. You have dogs that will you know, pick up things in their mouths all the time and, um, you know, want to carry and parade things around. You've got dogs that will dive into puddles if they get any chance. Dogs that will are digging. Um, I think I think they get in the most trouble. So these are dogs that are telling you that they have a certain need to do something. Uh, sniffing and ranging, and um, even scavenging when they're out. These are dogs that maybe want to hunt and sniff and use their use their noses. So. You don't need to know what your dog's breed is in order to figure out what they like. But once you know what they enjoy, rather than just trying to stop that the way, you know, as you said earlier, just like, you know, please stop doing the thing. um, I would invite people to flip that script and and actually just allow them to do the thing, but with control. You know, put that put things um, put these behaviors on cue, uh, turn them into tricks find a class that can be an outlet and you know you don't have to become a world you know levels competitor in order to practice the the craft that your dog enjoys right so you know if your dog is um very sniffy and wants to always you know find things in the garden or on walks is just you know got their nose to the ground or nose up to the air all the time you don't have to go and become a detection or search and rescue worker 
but you can easily play games with your dog and hide things in the house um, and in the garden. Uh, you can take classes. There's set work classes online as well as in you know, uh, various facilities. And you can use um, this as a launching pad. I, I would like to talk to you more about this specifically. Um, just informally do tricks that are fun. So maybe with a dog that um, likes to find things and they're always finding your socks or you know things that you don't want them to find, uh, teach them, you know, put value into something else through training and then teach them to find, you know, your keys, your shoes, you know, whatever it may be. So um, I know you're a big proponent of, of turning um, obedience and, and basic behaviors into tricks. And I think that's one of the smartest things that people can do because it's fun at both ends of the leash. So much fun. Right. And, yeah. you know, for me, the, the thing about tricks versus obedience, you know, or, or teaching your dog commands is, is just that your tone changes. Right. Like, you know, when you say sit, you know, you might be you might say it nicely if you have a cookie in your hand. Not you, but one might be like, sit, 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 sit. No, sit, 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 you know, and whereas if you're like, um, find it, you know, you're going to be like, go get the thing, you know, and you root for them and your face changes, your demeanor changes. It's not necessarily, um, you know, a, a skill that they have to do because we think, well, my dog must sit before they go out the door. And there are some reasons for safety, you know, that they, we want them to do these behaviors, but nobody really thinks my dog has to wave right now. If I, they have to sit pretty and wave, you know, and nobody's getting angry if they don't get it right. And you just become more creative. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the the the, the key is it, it keeps everybody happy and light. It builds relationship. And um, what do you think? I think when you I think you the minute you for a lot of people the minute they let go of the idea that there's a certain criteria that they have to hit, I find they actually get better results. It's a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. And I think once you, in anything, once you get moving on it, once you get the ball rolling, you're more inspired to continue and not just dog training. Like if you're trying to exercise, you have to just convince yourself to like get up in the morning and start. Like you just have to start somewhere. So with dog training, if you start with tricks where there's a lot less pressure, then you got that ball rolling and you're starting to move forward and, and make some changes, hopefully, and start a new habit. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a great idea. As you know, I love trick training. <laughs> yeah, and with tricks, I mean, uh, we, I mean, we call them tricks, but it's all tricks to dogs. It's all the same, and, yeah, right. Yeah. And and it really is just our perception. And to do some of the tricks that you that might pop into your head, you still this is this is where it gets tricky, and where where a, a trainer is tricking the training. You have <laughs> no to pun intended. Yeah. You, this is getting kind of yeah. <laughs> you, have to get, you have to have some face and basic foundation obedience in order to get tricks, but you can do it through tricks. So um, enrichment, mental enrichment, uh, honoring the dog that is inside, you know, the, the, the honoring the dogginess of your dog, you know, and giving them a proper outlet, an approved outlet, if you will, <laughs> um, is the is the way to manage energy one one of the ways to manage energy we can talk about a few other things but i think i one of my goals in my career is to teach people to enjoy behavior 
nurses always want to tamp it down or stop it and quash it. Right. I love that. It's, you know, you got, you got a dog because you wanted to have fun and do things or because you like that breed or found them interesting. And, you know, you, now you, you've got to kind of hold up your end of the bargain and, um, you know, bring some, some enrichment and joy into their lives as well. Absolutely. Now on the other side of that, so let's say we're giving our dogs all of these outlets, we're meeting their needs. What is, um, a way to teach them how to shut off. So some of your favorite tips, because you do have dogs that like to work. So I'm sure you have some really great tips for that shut off switch. And it's still important to, of course, teach them that there is a time that we're not working and I don't want you to offer behaviors to me. So what are some of your favorite tips for the, uh, so to speak, the shut off switch? And that's, it's super important that you teach your dog how to chill. And I think the key there is teach. You know, especially if you do have a high energy breed or, or your dog's personality is, you know, profile is just that one of exuberance and, and over, over exuberance and joy. And you can't just assume that they know how to do that. And, and again, part of that might be their, their own personality. But I think what we often do in early in a dog's life, like in their early adolescence, or when we first get a dog or a puppy, we try to tire them out as a way to get them to relax um, you know, with physical exercise, right? And so uh, this is kind of counterintuitive, but one of the first tips I will give people is to practice relaxing the, with the same amount of attention and energy that, that you do when you're, you're exercising time. And not to always, um, not, not to over-exercise your dog. And I don't even mean like, oh, this is too much for their little, bones or bodies at a certain age, although there is that too. But the more that you throw that ball with the chuck it, the more that you get that high, crazy kind of intense going, like I'm going to burn this this puppy out. We're going to run and we're going to play chuck it for half an hour until they're panting and their tongue's lolling and they come in and crash. Well, you you might get that. You might get to that point for a little while where the dog is you know pretty exhausted, but you're also um, conditioning your dog yeah exactly yeah right you're conditioning them physically um anybody who and most of you will be familiar with the term runner's high you know people come in from you know if you've got a marathon runner and they're somebody you knew in your life that's kind of addicted to running it's just that they're addicted to running like it feels good you know the you know the the chemical boost that they get from that uh, you know is really quite strong and you know, so they're now, you know, if you're, if you're a runner, you're getting physically stronger, which means you can run further and faster and it takes, it's harder to tire you. Um, you have more endurance and also you're, you come in and you're kind of jazzed. You're not exhausted anymore. Now you're kind of like, what's next? You know, so I'm, I'm sure people with high energy dogs can relate to, um, you know, that idea of like, okay, we would just spend an hour at the park and you come in the house and they're like, what's next? What are we going to do now? You know, instead of being tired. So you can unintentionally condition your dog to become a canine athlete. This doesn't mean that they don't need exercise, but you're not necessarily going to exercise yourself to calmness is really the key, you know, um, and in, in a lot of cases, at least not for long, you might get away with it for a little while. So there's that. 
but then there's also making sure that when you do interact with your dog, like if you've been gone for a few hours because you are at work or if you work from home, but your, you know, your dog is separate from you, um, when you, when you greet them, I would have greetings just be kind of mellow and lovey versus super excited. I wouldn't run into the house right after work and say, let's go for a run right away because now you're building anticipation. I like to um, say, hey, I'm home. You know, come in, chill out with me for a while. I need to break. I need to sit down. Why don't you come and have a chew or come and pet, I'll pet you for a while and rub your belly. And then maybe we'll play because you can kind of get yourself into a vicious cycle with that as well. And if you add to that, that to the park and the running, now you've really got kind of a, a canine junkie on your hand, exercise junkie on your hand. And then there is practicing chilling out. And how do we do that? Right. Um, I, you know, we, a lot of us use um, placemats or cot beds, you know, like little hot, little, platform beds or any dog bed can will do or you can even do this on your couch if you really want to but um, practicing going to your mat or going to your bed and staying there or to your platform is a very useful uh, skill but it's still kind of an active skill right so i think you and i both do the same thing where we'll station our dogs almost like circus dogs right you know okay you go on your platform you're on your platform you're on your platform and in those moments you know do, do you do you find that your dogs are relaxing or are they attentive and right you can't really say that they're fully shut off in those moments i mean they might have been trained to look like they're they're shut off but as soon as they hear their name they know it's their turn to work and they're right off that that place so i see where you're getting yeah right they're they're tuned in and they're waiting and especially if that is um that that platform work or that mat work has been trained with like food rewards and I'm not suggesting that we don't, but uh, anytime you do that, you're kind of activating the dog and then you're keeping them kind of in the game. And, you and if, you know, for sometimes you want them in the game. It's fine. If you're doing a go to your mat while I answer the door, that's that's OK. Fine. Yeah. That's control. But that's not relaxing, you know. Uh, so I'm thinking of like trying to meditate with your phone in your hand. Like you just yeah. want to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not going to work, you know, yeah. or, or, or even just meditating while you're snacking on a bowl of popcorn. Like it's it's not, you know, it's different. So relaxation protocols are different than like um like long stays or long place mat things in in my book. So I don't always, I usually don't work on a mat when I'm teaching my dogs to chill out. I will sometimes tether them, uh, you know, tether them to a heavy piece of furniture nearby or just kind of or hold the leash. I'll have a leash or something on them with a harness or a collar, flat collar, a wide collar if they're relatively relaxed um I mean they're not going to be pulling all the time and we just kind of hang out it's kind of literally teaching them to do nothing in your presence and then occasionally calmly rewarding them you know, maybe just talk to them just a little bit or give them a little pat or i'll sit on the couch or on the floor and you know we'll just kind of do some belly rubs and some little massaging times and i'll sit and talk to them and maybe I do pull my phone on at this point because we're just going to sit there. We're just going to hang out. 
um, maybe so you know because there's to me there are three different kind of skills at least three different skills maybe you'll maybe you'll catch me there's more there's the place the active place command you know there's like um, go to your place and and wait for more instructions and then there's let's just chill out together kind of on cue like can i get you to rest or chill for a minute maybe i need to groom you maybe i'm going to do your 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 nails or you're at the vet and i want you to just chill out and then there's kind of this passive um chill and chew kind of time where like i will give them a, a a project but it's a calming project so just as much as i like to give dogs um their active you know mental stimulation i like to give them passive what i call passive chews and passive stimulation which are um usually food related toys that aren't active so we're not talking about a puzzle game here or a wobbly thing that they have to whack around we're talking instead about a toy that maybe they have to lick you know lie down and put between their paws and lick 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 to get out the good mushy stuff or um or, or a real marrow bone or even like a edible chew i guess falls into that category like a pig ear or a bully stick right where they're lying down and they're they're doing something they're occupied but they're not active and um that I think is one of the best ways to start maybe a true relaxation, you know, um, because the dog is still doing something and occupied and focused and it's not as hard on the handler. We're just doing the, like the tethering and the relaxing time. You have got to be prepared. And I think this is super important to not relax yourself at first when you're doing relaxation training, you've got to, You've got to be there to reset the, the dog or the puppy if they get up and settle them back down and you know reward them and talk to them and give them feedback when they're doing something that you would like. And I think people are afraid, like if the puppy's finally quiet, they don't want to say anything. You know, they don't want you know, they don't want to but but it's important to like give them some feedback about about when they're when they're doing something that you enjoy. Um, it's hard the first few times. So like if you're, and you don't want to celebrate, you know, if your puppy is on a, you know, if you're holding a leash, you know, a, a short leash and your puppy's on a tether near you and they're pacing, 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 or looking at you or poking you. And, and then they finally settle down. You, you don't want to go, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and get them all riled up, but you also don't want to necessarily ignore it. I would say, oh, good, good. Good dog, good puppy. Get that good settle. You know, maybe give them a little pat. Maybe not. Um, and yes, they may break. Then oh, we're up. We're doing something. But oh, no, settle back down. These are opportunities. Repetition is key. And when they learn that you know your what your calm tone means, just hey, stay chill. It's kind of like a keep going signal. It's feedback. It's information. It's attention. But it doesn't mean that we're going to go do anything. Um, that can transfer into your daily life. You're not, you shouldn't have to tiptoe around or not say hi on the phone or whatever it may be. So um, I think people don't want their dogs to get up, you know, and, and they don't want it to restart. But restarting is repetition and repetition is key to, you know, it's practice. It's key to getting the behavior right. So it's okay if they get up and you just settle them back down, but do give feedback. So. Chew toys, place settling to a degree, um, 
actual kind of like massage down downtimes and um I don't know. I, I would still, I would go back to also teaching. Uh, would you ever use settle for a trick? Would you do that? No, not, not so much. My, my settle is more of shut off. So if I ask for a settle, usually it's because I'm next to the dog, whether I'm sitting in a chair or like maybe I'm teaching a class and I really want my dog to actually just shut off and know that I'm not going to call you for anything. So settle is just a little bit more of um, relaxed. And then there's like, I'm not even paying attention to you at all, where I won't ask for a settle and it's just the dog's choice at that point. So hopefully they've practiced enough that their choice is not to be like jumping and spinning around at that point. <laughs> so then they just offer a natural settle on their own. But that's, and but this is, I think, something that is challenging for people. They, you do have to provide context, right? And it's, and the clearer that we are, the, the better your success is going to be. So you know, you don't, if your dog is in a settle and, and shut, kind of shut off, it does mean, hey, you don't have to pay attention right now. You know, like you don't have to be alert. You can, you can chew on your toy or you can fall asleep or you know, roll over on your back and be, you know, if you really want to. Um, but there, you have to provide context cues um, that are different for these different, these different behaviors so that they understand that they don't have to be attentive like they would in a place on, and, and, um, and so um, I guess teaching people how to differentiate that. And a lot of true settle is literally just settling and waiting them out. And, wait, and I think people get very frustrated with that at first and don't understand that's part of the process. And I like that you mentioned earlier about changing your own tone and the way you're praising the dog. So if you're trying to train a puppy a settle, you're not like when they finally settle, you're not woohoo. <laughs> you very calmly praise them. And I think a lot of people will be surprised just at how different that can um, make things. So if you start to control your own level of energy, the dogs innately pick up on that. And it's really a cool thing. So that can be a huge help. I'm glad you added that in. Yeah, I, I think it really is just, it's kind of just, you, you've got to go through the weeds before you get there. And I think that's where people yeah. are frustrated and quit or by interacting too much when the dog isn't settling, you know? Yeah. So if your puppy is next to you or maybe on a line, you know, whether tethered somewhere or you're holding the leash and they're, they're not settling. Well, the more that you talk to them then, or, you know, or, 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 you know, push, like, you know, lure them into a down or push them off of you or, talk to them, you are irritated, stop, off, off, or, you know, no, no, you know, all of that is interaction that is actually keeping the energy up. Right. And you're, you're actually not, you're not settling. So they're not going to pick, they don't know what settle is. You know, so you, you have to embody it. <laughs> and that means truly often just letting them go through those loops Right. And, 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 and waiting it out until you get that moment. And there will be a moment always. I don't care how crazy you think your dog is. If you practice this for, you know, uh, five days in a row, you know, with uh, maybe three sessions a day, even if they're just five minutes or 10 minutes a piece and you just, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to kind of ignore my dog and not like I'm going to ignore my dog, just like I'm going to sit here. This is the one time in training where I say, yeah, pull out your phone and like zone out, you know, zone out like and just and you, 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 the reason we're tethering is so that your dog can't go and make other choices. Right. And that sit with you and be with you so that they're not um, 
you know, leaving the room and going to get a twerk or barking out the window or bothering, you know, the cat or whatever it may be. They're just learning that when I give a certain energy off and say a certain word, especially usually in certain contexts, like in the office or in a public place, like a cafe, this is all that's going to happen is we're just going to be here. And it's not going to go smoothly at first. But if you stick with it and don't interact or over interact when your dog is being active and people get frustrated and they do start spinning, right? Oh, right. (laughs) You know, and stay just calm and ignore as best you can. Um, They'll start to get the picture, you know, they'll start to get the picture. So I don't know that I have any really special cool tricks for that other than really like going through the weeds and, and just, yeah. It's just the consistency of, yeah, just, just doing it. And it might not be the most exciting thing to practice. Like maybe once you start trying to meet your dog's needs with the tricks and the games, that is fun. Um, But you have to remind yourself to practice, like practice the boring things or the frustrating things as well. Yeah, definitely frustrating. I think that's it. It might be fun if you're a dog trainer to practice, but. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not like it's not going to make a dynamic YouTube video, you know, but it's probably an important one. It could be a funny one because sometimes they really don't settle at first, but I just said something that was important about this. Um, Oh, so when you're meeting needs and, and of course, like, especially when you're just starting to teach your dog to settle, hedge your bets. It's okay to exercise your dog first. And, and, but the key is that it's not just physical exercise. As I said earlier, we want to make sure that we're doing really mental exercise is going to get you further faster than just letting the dog run with other dogs running at the park or running um, after a ball, all those active um, repetitive behaviors um, really, really kind of get them into this emotional high that is not helpful. Um, But a a long rambling walk in the woods, you know, um, on a long line, if if you don't have control yet, or off leash, if they're well enough to do that, and it's legal, um, where they're sniffing and just kind of, kind of galloping around a little bit, and then coming back to you, or and walking around a field, sometimes I'll just take the dogs out on my, on my little little mini farm here it's only five acres but sometimes I just go out and walk with them if I don't have time to go out to the to the woods or something and it's not oh we're gonna play ball or oh we're gonna train and we're like we're, we're just we're just going outside I'll kind of meander around the property and maybe I'll do a little bit of gardening or cleaning up or maybe I won't maybe I'm just like hanging out and enjoying you know, watching them kind of sniff and run around so they're doing that kind of activity is enriching and more natural and it doesn't give that crazy dopamine high you know without you know that is then becomes like a you know an addictive kind of thing it just settles them down but what i want to impress upon people is any of those kind of enriching things whether it's training or like a decompression walk or um just um, an active chew toy, all, uh, a little game, you know, a little scent work game, hiding things. All of these things will wear your dog out faster and better than a game of fetch, basically. You don't have to, to meet your dog's needs, you don't have to spend four hours a day or two hours a day every day doing this. Because I think people think, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to play, you know, to do scent work. I don't have time to take a class. 
you don't need a ton if you're doing the right things. Um, of course, you know, your, your dog needs time and energy, um, your time and energy every day to a certain extent. Um, but not every day needs to be, a, you know, um, a big, big event. So instead of taking that time to take your dog to a dog park, where then, you know, the other bad thing about a, going to a dog park, other than getting a super high and running around like crazy, is they're focusing so very intently off of you. Right. And all of the reinforcement is coming out from out there. And if anything, you're just a killjoy at the end, you know, who ruins the fun when they're in this kind of frenzied, happy state. So, you know, it's, you know, it's spending, spending 10 minutes, three times a day on on a targeted activity where the two of you are working together, whether it's an actual settle activity or a place activity or a scent work game where you hand some favorite biscuits around the house or garden and and um, then let them find them or um, practicing a, a trick, something as simple as can you spin in one direction and then in another direction or can you walk between my legs? Can we weave, um, you know, sit pretty, roll over? These things challenge their brains and, and are interactive and keep you in the picture for the things that are fun, which builds relationship, which then builds a better bond, obviously, which then breeds better communication. Because sometimes when, they, when people say their dogs are out of control or high energy, their dogs are, are also just really not that connected to them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think because you gave so many different options here, there's the tricks and the sniffing and the settle. It's a good point to bring up variety too. So maybe not doing the same thing two days in a row because there are so many options for sure. Yeah. And and, and it just, I I just have in my dog room, uh, yes, I have a dog room um, and where we do training and there's some beds and some crates and, um, and all the dog toys live. I mean, of course they're in the house all the time too, but um I've got a lot of dog toys, so they're not all in the house all the time. Back to variety, there's, you know, we rotate. But I have a list. I just have a like a dry erase board that has um, a, a list of 10, I think 10 or 11 um, active activities. And then a list of like four or five like passive activities. for And because you know, it helps other people in the house to know also and remember what to do. And it's like, hey, you can pick from me these lists, and just and you know, and when I do shelter work, I have a I have a similar list for all the various needs of the dogs, and you know, you just check off, you know, oh, this one's been done today, this one's been done today. Oh, maybe it's a list for the week, and you can just go through until you've hit all the marks throughout the week. So, variety really is the spice of life, and it keeps them super. They'll keep them super engaged and, you know, anything that becomes habitual, I mean, habits can work in our favor sometimes, don't get me wrong, but anything that becomes habitual can become boring and variety is lovely. So favorite chew toys, I rotate, they don't get all their favorite things at all, all times. We have a couple of things that we choose from and then the rest get put away. And then when you bring them out again in a week or two or a few days, how oh, it depends on your dog's level of interest, they're like, oh. You know, you don't have to go shopping. You don't have to go shopping all the time. Like, oh, I haven't seen this in, in, in weeks. You know, I love this ball. And um, so, it, but you can do the same with your behaviors. Absolutely. Mix it up, mix it up. And yes, there are, I mean, we live in an age where there are so many online classes that you can take um, if you don't have access to um, 
you know, a fun like tricks class or nose work class near you, or if you don't have the time to commit to that specifically, you can, you know, do it on your own in an online um, self-guided course. And, you know, maybe you never want to compete and you can just mess around with all of the things. It's just going to enhance your relationship and giving that energy somewhere to go. Because that's the thing when people say they have a high energy dog, right? They just have this energy cloud and it's, woo, 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 you know, and then most people start tapping it down. It's like whack-a-mole because it's going to pop up over here. It's going to pop up over there. And maybe you really don't want it to pop up over there. And, uh, It'll you know, pop up somewhere. That's for sure. <laughs> it is, right? It's yeah. like you don't just get rid of it, you know? So you... So why not just choose? Like we're going to have a couple avenues and this is where we can channel that energy and make it, you know, make it as useful as you want. It can be literally going to find your your slippers or your keys or it can be just fun and entertaining. It doesn't have to have any purpose other than building relationship and giving your dog an outlet, right? Absolutely. I think these were some great tips. Do you have, it's so hard. The question I usually ask at the end is the most difficult question. What is your number one tip <laughs> from all of this? What What do we want to leave our listeners with? What's your number one piece of advice for anyone who feels like they have a high energy dog? If you have a high energy dog and you're maybe feeling frustrated, or even if you're not feeling frustrated, I guess, um, I of all of the things that we've mentioned today, I think the number one thing that across the board helps the most dogs, regardless of what their natural scratchy, itchy, what, what they want to do, genetic, you know, um, you know makeup um, is, you know, whatever they're predisposed to do, is scent work. Ooh, it's scent work. I playing, playing, playing games where you're just hiding cookies. It can, you start simple, hide under a towel right in front of them. You know, they get, teach them to use their noses. They all have noses, no matter what breed, you know, they don't have to be a bloodhound to be able to be an excellent sniffer um, and detector and giving them permission to, to use that sense that is their, their primary sense, really. You know, dogs smell the world the way we see the world. And we are constantly shutting that down. Oh, you know, get your nose out of there. Oh, get your nose out of the garbage can. Don't no, quit sniffing that. We're walking. Oh, no, don't put your nose over there. You know, and we're always, no, stop, stop, stop. And some dogs take that to heart and kind of stop sniffing, you know, and and one and other dogs are still going to sniff and, and get into trouble in other ways. But they all need to they will all appreciate i've never had a dog that doesn't appreciate an opportunity and permission to use their nose and to solve little pet puzzles and and hunt and search um old dogs young dogs fearful dogs aggressive dogs reactive dogs little dogs big dogs blind dogs i have done it all um with with scent work and they you know there's not a there's not a dog that doesn't enjoy that and doesn't it, it seemed kind of magical, um, and I think it is just because it is such a basic core um, need for a dog, you know, to be able to use their nose. It, but it's the one thing that no matter what the problem is or the issue is or the, you know, the thing that you don't like, it gets better when they have an opportunity to sniff. I agree with that. I think that's a great tip. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. And it's the easiest because you don't really need anything. 
yeah, you know, a couple treats or some kibble, you can just have hide some food. You don't have to, you know, even have treats if you don't want to, you know, or hide their toys as you get better at it, be creative. And um, it's it's kind of their superpower, you know, and and um, we just don't um, appreciate it or even acknowledge it in, in a lot of ways. So uh, any dog, I I will stand by this, I guess, unless they have an olfactory you know, medical issue, any dog will benefit from having a little like hunting and detection game, even if it's just in your house or garden. And it's a great tip for the winter too. You know, here in the Northern hemisphere, we're about to go into the darker, we're starting to go into the darker, colder times. And it's a great way to burn off some energy. If there's a storm or it's too dark when you get home or you know, it's cold and you don't want to go outside, totally do it inside too. Absolutely. I think this was some very valuable information and I really appreciate you being here today. I want to make sure the listeners here know where to find you. Um, where can we find your work? Um, right now, really, the best place to find me is either in the Dunbar Academy with the Essential Puppy Training course. Um, I actually do a live um, online lesson every week, uh, a couple of them actually in the Dunbar Academy. And I have the, um, but mostly I'm on social media. You can find me at uh, in, on Facebook, at just my name, Kelly Gorman Dunbar, and or on Instagram as well. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to chat with people. I'm happy to help people. And um, I've got videos so you can see what I do with my dogs. And I also do have the Dog Training League. If you're a little more of a deep dive kind of person and you want to learn more, um, it's an online community and kind of training club and mentoring center. It's kind of a little, it's a, it's a little bit of everything for people who want to deep dive in dog training. You don't have to be a dog trainer to join, but we do um, videos and courses and lectures and Q and A's in there every week. So dog, the dog training league is also, yeah, it's a great place. So that's, that's basically where you can find me these days. So we will post these links alongside this video so anyone who's listening can find you for sure. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being here. We hope this information is helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, and like so that we know that you enjoyed it and that we can reach more pet parents with expert guests and tips for dog training. Thanks so much for being here. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 